All right, welcome to the free stretch here on JoeBucksFan.com. Final episode of the calendar year 2023. Far from the final episode of the season, though, we're getting ready for week 17 in the National Football League, and we've got two games to go, and we have a situation where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need to rely on nobody and merely have to win one of their final two games at home this Sunday, New Year's Eve, against the Saints at 1 o'clock, or next weekend, time and day to be determined, at Carolina, win either one, and the Bucs are the NFC South champions for the third year in a row. And I'll tell you what, a lot of things have happened this year. Every year a lot of things happen. But I wouldn't even have to go back that far for that sentence to surprise you. It's not like if I had told you this at the beginning of the year, you wouldn't have believed me. In fact, you might have believed me more at the beginning of the year than you would have midway through the year. And either way, here we are now, after the Bucks have reeled off four consecutive wins in increasingly impressive fashion, if you ask me, and gotten the job done offensively and defensively and now find themselves in total control. And I'll tell you what, folks, I mean, we have talked every week this year about not just this year, but the future of the franchise and what direction are things going to go and things and this and that and the other. I still don't know what's going to happen with the final two games. Hell, they could lose both of them. It wouldn't be the most unheard of thing in the world. But I think the part about the immediate future of the franchise, that question has been answered. And we'll talk about that today, as well as look ahead to the Saints game on Sunday. Looking back at the both wins recently, the, the, the Jags win on Sunday where the Bucks were dominant, getting a 30 to nothing lead before winning 30 to 12, and the win in Lambeau the week before, something the Bucks had never done as a franchise, win at Lambeau Field in December, and something they'd only done once any time in the year, in the regular season at least, since back in the night, I think it was 1990 was the last time, except for one win they had in 2005, and of course there was that NFC Championship game too, that doesn't go without being mentioned. But the point is the Bucks have been doing some things, okay? And so, where are we at right now? The focus has completely shifted. Now we're not only are we thinking, okay, we can win the South, but it's not even, hey, bad division, they'll eke it out with an eight and nine record. Bucks could go as good as well as 10 and seven. They cannot win. There is no scenario in which they win the division if they lose both games. They could still technically be a wild card at eight and nine. I'll go through this. Actually, let's go through the scenarios right now. So as we said, the Bucks have a win. In either of their final two games, they win the South. No matter what else anybody does, they don't have to scoreboard watch. They don't need help from anybody else. Win one of the last two, you win the NFC South. If they don't win on Sunday, if the Saints beat them, they would have the chance to beat the Panthers. But if somehow they lost to the Saints and the Panthers, then the winner of the NFC South would be the winner of the Falcons at Saints game next weekend. Obviously, we hope it doesn't come to that. As far as their wild card chances with a record of... 8-9, and nine, which is what they would be if they lost the next two. The New York Times playoff generator has the odds of that at under 1%. So there's like some very, very extensive, complex scenarios where a lot of things have to happen in sequence, and that would get the buck. But it's not worth thinking about. Basically, the Bucks need to win one of their final two games. And if not, then the Saints and uh, Falcons play for it next weekend. Saints and Falcons, if the Bucks do win one of these final two games, have a slightly better, they have like a 25% chances making it as wild cards if the Bucs take care of it. I, mean, I don't care about the Saints and the Falcons, though. That's not the point. 
So that's where we're at right now. So what's on the line on Sunday? All right, here's what's on the line, just strictly going on paper. These are all facts, okay? The Bucks would win a division title for the third straight season for the first time in franchise history. I get all the caveats. I get that, especially these last two seasons, the NFC South wasn't exactly as hard as it was to win the NFC Central back in the uh, 80s, 90s, or 2000, early 2000s. I know that. But still, they have never won three straight division titles ever. They would do that with a win on Sunday. It would be the fourth straight playoff appearance by the Bucks going back to 2020, when, of course, they won the Super Bowl as a wild card. And then if they did this, they would have won three straight divisions on top of that. No NFC team has done that. None, okay? Chiefs have done it, and I believe the Bills have done it in the AFC. We'd have to check. But no NFC team has been in the playoffs four years in a row. If the Bucks do it this year, they would be the only one. And they're the only ones with even a chance to do it. So there's that. It would be their fifth win in a row here this season, which, believe it or not, would be the first time since 2016 with Jameis Winston at the helm. Even Tom Brady never won five in a row as the Bucks quarterback. And it's just amazing. I mean, I, I know I stress this all the time. I stress it all the time, okay? Things change so fast. Your perception changes so fast. We, football is one of the reasons it's so great is because of the highs and the lows. In baseball, if you win five games in a row, oh, whatever, who cares? We've got 147 games left, and it doesn't matter anyway. In the long run, it'll all work itself out. In football, no, you win five games in a row, your entire franchise outlook, let alone your season, can turn around. And we like that. Like We like to think that what we're watching has stakes. It always comes back to stakes. I always say that. So the stakes are never higher than in the NFL because every week, I mean, it's like a yo-yo. And I always caution that. Like, never, whenever it seems bad, it's never as bad as it seems. And whenever it seems really good, like now, it's probably not as good as it seems either. And I think the Bucks are a better team than I thought they were four weeks ago, for sure. And that, not only I think, I mean, they have become a better team in, in the past few weeks. They have played much better. But I also don't think they're a Super Bowl contender right now. I know Tristan Wirth said, hey, why not us? Everybody wrote us off. Now we're hot. And I want him to think that. And he may be right. I'm not saying the Bucs can't do it. I'm just saying I don't think all of a sudden they're ready to roll with the big boys just yet. And they're going to get their chance if they win one of these final two games. They'll get probably Dallas at home, maybe Philadelphia, but probably Dallas at home again like last year. And if they win that, they'll get somebody else on the road. So they'll get their chance. Right now, first things first, just beating the Saints or the Panthers. But, yeah, I mean, I don't all of a sudden think – the franchise is exactly where it needs to be. I don't feel that way. But let's be, I'm going to be honest right now. I'm going to come out, because I always come out when I'm right, I'll say it. When I'm wrong, I'll say it. And I think it was during the Colts game. If you go on my Twitter feed, you can follow me on Twitter at Bobby Game Day, B O B B Y G A M E D A Y, Bobby Game Day. And I'm not going to delete the tweets, they're still up there. But I think it was during the Colts game, I'm pretty sure. When I started saying, hey, you know what? Don't get too upset. Don't sweat this. The Bucs need to figure out what the next step forward is as a franchise. Big picture, not just 2023. And they need to decide, you know, whether it's Todd Bowles, whether it's somebody else, whether they're going to blow it up, whether they're going to start over, whether they're going to draft a quarterback at the time. We didn't know where, I mean, we still don't know where our draft pick will be, but it seems like it'll be lower now. But I said, hey, this isn't matter anyway. Let's step up and let's really focus on big picture things and not worry about a team that probably isn't going anywhere anyway. I'm paraphrasing, but those were basically the themes of the things I said, the tweets I posted 
during the Colts game. I'll be the first one to admit it, okay? Even knowing then, I mean, it wasn't like I didn't think they could win the division even then, but I just didn't care. Like, I was like, I didn't want another repeat of last year. So I said those things. And a lot of people were down on Todd Bowles. They didn't want to see him, uh, didn't want to think about the possibility of him being the head coach next season. And in fact, not that anybody was rooting for the Bucks to tank, but it was one of those look at the bright side things. At least we're going to get another head coach, blah, blah, blah. So I don't, again, know what's going to happen in the next two games, but I'll tell you right now. I mean, here, here's where we're at with Todd Bowles. And, and not that I think he's going to have to make a case for himself, but if I did, if, if I was his agent talking to the Glazers or talking to Jason Light, you sold out. I mean, you went all the hell in to win that Super Bowl in 2020 and 2021 because you had Tom Brady you knew for a limited amount of time. It was a miracle we even got him. I still can't believe it, honestly. But you got him, and so you went all in on it, and it worked. And that was a Super Bowl that Todd Bowles called the defense in, by the way. But even aside from that, you went all in financially. You went out and got Rob Gronkowski. You went out and got Antonio Brown. You went and got all these guys to bring in. Just didn't want to leave any stone unturned. No, don't spare a dollar. Just do it. Get it done. We need to make this happen. And they did it. They did. They won the Super Bowl. And you knew when you did it, in exchange for that Super Bowl, you were going to pay some salary cap hell a couple years later, once the window closed and once all that dead money came home to roost. And you were okay with that. That's what this season is. Like, this is a season that technically the Bucs aren't even trying that hard. Because they say, okay, well, you know, whatever, screw it, spend the money now, let's win, we'll worry about it later, we might have to take it on the chin for a couple seasons. This is one of the take it on the chin years, okay? As I've pointed out before, on the show, the Bucs lead the league in dead cap money, 81 million, right? I think was the exact number, and that's not even counting Russell Gage and Ryan Jensen, so they got like 90 million plus going against their salary cap that isn't even on the field, okay? The team that leads the league in dead money every year, if you go back through history and look at whatever that team is, whoever the team leading the league in dead money, and you look at their records over the past 10, 15 years, you see 5-11, and 4-12, and 5-12, and 4-13, and 13. now they play 17, yeah, you know, 6-10, and 10. never better than that, never. No, nobody does that, nobody does that. So even if the Bucks were eight and nine, you know, or whatever they end up being now, they might be nine and eight, ten and seven. I mean, you could make a case, and I have been as hard on Todd Bowles as anyone, right? I, mean, I don't want to, you know, try and be phony here. And I've had my complaints, and I'm just, like I said, I'm still not thinking we're exactly in paradise as a franchise. But especially if the Bucks win the last two games, you could make a case for Todd Bowles as coach of the year, right? Think about that. I'm not saying I would. I'm just saying you could make that case. And we all were, were, were you know, laughing at him, dumping on him at various points. So things have changed quite a bit, and they could change again. They lose these last two games. Everybody's all pissed off all over again, and, you know, what a collapse and blah, blah, blah. But it wouldn't change the fact, like I said, to be in the position the Bucks are with the salary cap, knowingly, they knew this was going to happen. They planned for it. They said they were okay with it. It is what it is. Oh, well, hell, let's actually just, let, let's go to more playoffs than we've ever been to as a franchise. Let's win the division three times in a row in our uh, salary cap rebuild years, okay? 
You can't argue with that. Like, whatever you want to say about Todd Bowles, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not lifting all criticism I've ever made of him, but whatever you want to say, he's not getting fired, obviously. And, you know, to be in a position the Bucks are in, a lot of teams, a lot of coaches, they'd be even worse off. They'd be, like I said, 5-12, and 12, whatever you want to say, 6-11, and 4-13, and 13, who the hell knows. So that in and of itself is an incredible accomplishment, let alone if they actually do pull this off and win the division. Now it's four straight playoff appearances, three straight division titles, and all these things that the franchise has literally never done. I think it'd be funny, by the way. Wouldn't it be ironic for the Bucks to win three straight division titles and then have a Super Bowl championship to go with it in the one year they didn't win the division title and they were a wild card, they went all the way, and the three years since then they've had um, you know, the division and the home playoff games. But, those, I mean, that, that 2021 team is the one we all regret, right? 2020, they got it done. 2021, we thought it was their year. Should have been their year. Still hurts watching footage of that Rams game in the playoffs, knowing the Bucs probably beat the 49ers at home in the NFC Championship game, knowing they probably beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I mean, they may not have, but, you know. Anyway, they got their Super Bowl in 2020, and all of this, all of this is gravy, okay? I think Bill Simmons, the ESPN writer from a while back, I, he, he used to say, if your team wins a championship, there's like a five-year just complete moratorium on complaint. You can't complain about anything for five years. And this, what have you done for me lately, world? You know, you say that, and then, you know, the next season comes along, and you hit a two-game losing skin. You're like, ah, this is what, we should be better than that. You know, you're all pissed off. No, think about it. Yeah, every one of you to win the Super Bowl again would probably give up five years of whatever happens next, right? I would. That's the whole point is to win the Super Bowl. So they already did that in 2020, and now here we are. We're in year three post-Super Bowl afterglow, okay? So we don't have anything to complain about, even if they were bad, and they're reeling off their third straight division title if they get this win. So I'm not going to talk about it as if it already happened because it hasn't happened yet. This is going to be a tough game on Sunday. Make no mistake about it, okay? And the Bucks have not won the division yet. They are in the best position to of any of their competitors but they have not done it yet. And even if they don't beat the Saints, they'll have a chance against Carolina, which you'd like to think they should be able to do with the way Carolina is. But nobody wants it to go that far anyway. So we'll see what they can get done. New Year's Eve, 1 o'clock, Raymond James Stadium. It's worth noting the Saints are on three days extra rest. They played the Thursday night game this past week over in L.A., and they lost to the Rams. So they had the Thursday game, the mini-buy. They've had some extra time. A little bit of an advantage for them. You know, we'll see what it amounts to. And uh, as far as injuries go, though, the Bucs are in, but the Saints are in good shape. They have very little on their injury report. The Bucs don't have much either. Carlton Davis, concussion. I'm recording this show on Thursday afternoon right now. So for the Thursday practice, Carlton Davis, DNP, did not practice. Now, maybe that changes by the time you hear this uh, for Friday or Saturday or whatever. But he didn't practice today on Thursday. Shaq Barrett has a little bit of a groin thing. He was out there, but not really active, so he was limited participation. And then Keeft is also taking a little time. That's it, though. Everything else is fine with the Bucks. They're in relatively decent shape, or at least for the official stuff. You know, I'm sure there's all kinds of nicks and dings and things like that, but uh, they're in, in decent shape health-wise. And speaking of people who look a lot more decent when they're healthy... And there's a whole list of guys that you know, need to be commended after what's happened the past few weeks. But let's give Devin White some props. Again, guy we've been hard on with good reason. I mean, it was all justified. 
And there was that whole controversy about, you know, whether he begged out or whether he was able to play, blah, blah, blah. Well, they did start K.J. Britt, and Britt's done a hell of a job in his own right, but they started him against Jacksonville. He was only on the field for the first snap. Pulled him out, so he got the official start, but then Devin White came in, and Devin White played every snap the rest of the game except for two that Britt came back in at that position. So, I mean, I, I think that part of that might have been a smoke screen. Todd Bowles trying to kind of you know throw off the defensive game or offensive game plan for the Jags, whatever you want to call it. But Devin White looked a lot different. He looked like he can look when he's healthy. And I don't mean he played a perfect game or anything like that, but he looked a lot better than he has looked. And so it at least needs to be said for whatever you think about Devin White, and I'm not telling you not to think those things necessarily, but it at least needs to be said. you got to judge people when they're 100%. Not even that he might, he might still only be you know, 80, 90, whatever percent, but at least you could see when he's him, when he's himself, there is a difference. And he did a hell of a job. The whole Bucks, yeah, Antoine Winfield, who's fine, by the way. I know he left with some concussion symptoms, but they, they were just precautionary. Todd Bull said he could have come back in if they needed him. Antoine Winfield this season now has five sacks, five forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, and three interceptions in the last 25 years of professional football. Okay? Only one player has had even three in each of those categories in the same season. That's James Ferrier of the Steelers back in 2004. Since then, no one, nobody before that had done it in 25 years. Nobody's done that, okay? So Antoine Winfield has been absolutely out of his mind doing a great job on the Bucks defense. So is Levante David, who continues to just blow people away at his age with his level of play. Like I said, Devin White was a lot better this week. Up front, the Bucks. You know, they got after Trevor Lawrence. It was a decent job on the pass rush. Trevor Lawrence, of course, didn't practice the week leading up to the game, had the concussion issue, but he did play. Then he got the shoulder ding. Bucks defense, like I said, until the garbage time TDs, they were on it. The offense, what can you say about Baker Mayfield? Let me tell you what's happening right now with Baker Mayfield, though. Every passing game that he plays well, his price goes up. For now. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We want him to do that. I'm sure the Bucks would be glad to pay him as a franchise quarterback if he shows that he is one. And again, he hasn't been perfect all year. In fact, if you look at the advanced stats, he's been a slightly above average. Like, you know, there's 32 starters. Obviously, there's been more with all the injuries. But he usually ranks around that 10 to 16 area as far as EPA per play, all those types of things, if you're into all that. So uh, top half of the league, but not that elite top 8, 9, or 10. Although, with his performance the last two weeks... First of all, the perfect passer rating at Lambeau, which I still don't understand. I, I, it just bugs me that you, a perfect rating shouldn't mean you have to literally be perfect, at least with your number of you, – you can't throw incomplete passes at all and have a perfect passer rating. To me, that makes the formula kind of weird, but whatever. He's the only player to ever have a perfect passer rating visiting player at Lambeau. So there was that. Then he comes back against the Jags. 26 to 35, 283 yards, the two touchdowns, both to Mike Evans, and in particular the second one, that little seam throw. I mean, that throw was so good. And it was just high-level stuff from both ends. I mean, Mike, Mike Evans going up and winning the football, but Baker holding that safety, then getting it right through that window. If you look at the all-22 end zone view of the throw, it's just magnificent. And, you know, it, it's humming right now. It's, it's, and I will say this much, okay, not that I'm patting myself on the back, but I always say when I'm wrong, the Bucks offense 
early in the season, remember we were, oh my God, this offense, what are they going to do? The running game sucked. They were still married to it. They weren't even trying to get the ball down the field. And what has changed the past few weeks? Okay. They've been way more, and they haven't given up on running the ball or anything. I've never told them to give up on running the ball, but they have been way more aggressive downfield. They have been way more forward with their passing game. They have been getting chunk plays, which are always the key. Like I always say, you know, the Bucks offense, one of the reasons it's so good is because they are very good at third and shorter. I think they're the number one team in the league at third and four or less as far as conversion percentage, which, which frustrates us because we always say, oh, God, stop stop playing for third down and just get the first down. But they've done less of that. Like the best offenses, I always tell you guys, they don't have great third down percentages necessarily, although it's not a bad thing. The best offenses are getting first downs on first and second down. They're just aggressive. They're moving. They're getting chunks. They're aggressively, say it with me, I always say it, they're aggressively and actively pursuing points and yards at all times. They're not just trying to play some strategic possession game or try to keep it close. Boom! And they are doing that now. They're doing it with Evans. They're doing it with Godwin. And, you know, we, we've seen Palmer get in on the act a lot more. But, I mean, your best player should be your best players. And Mike Evans, and he's, doing, he's not just a go-route guy. He's doing it on those intermediate 10, 15, 20-yard routes down the field as well. And so, not that I'm saying, you know, I'm some genius or something because anybody could see that, but I mean, they, they need to go down the field more and they need to get more aggressive. And Dave Canales deserves a lot of credit. The Dave Canales, let me tell you this, I complain about his play calls a little bit sometimes, but if you look at the actual scheme when they do get aggressive, like at Lambeau two weeks ago, I, we didn't have a show last week because I got busy during the holidays. If you go back and watch the all 22 footage of the touchdown passes Baker Mayfield had against the Packers at Lambeau, okay? On all of them, besides the guy they actually hit for the touchdown, there's like two other guys just running free. Like they could have gone to a number of different spots and still had success besides actually doing what they did, which was hitting it for touchdowns. So it's not like they're getting lucky or anything like that. Like Dave Canales, who had never called plays formally, has gotten a lot better as the season has gone on. And they're already talking about him as a head coach. I mean, I, I would think you'd want to see it for more than just the second half of one season. And of course, selfishly as a Bucks fan, I, I want him around again because he's, he's gotten a lot better. Like he has improved. Todd Bowles, okay, love the way you went for it on fourth and two, and what could easily have been justified as a field goal situation. It wouldn't have been. It would have been the wrong call. He made the right call. But I mean, he he could have easily not gone for it, and people wouldn't have thought that much of it. But he went for that fourth and two. I think it was the first quarter. It might have been the second quarter in the Jags game Sunday. He went for another one where even I was kind of like, whoa, hey, it's cool to kick here. You don't have to actually go <laughs> that fourth and five late in the game. I was like, you can just keep the field goal. It's, it's cool. We were up by a ton. It would have made it like a 20-something point game. But he went for that too. So, you know, as the head coach doubling as a defensive coordinator and defensive play caller, he's improved his decision-making as far as the big, you know, the, the overall game situation stuff. And then defensively, the Bucs are still seeing a little bit of the, the breakdown sometimes in coverage, although against Jacksonville, they didn't have any issues. There were a few of those against Green Bay, but you know, they've gotten it done when they need to get it done. Red zone has improved. Red zone was one of their Achilles heels, and they're still only 25th on the season as far as converting red zone trips into touchdowns. 49% is 25th in the NFL. But in the last four games, they're 8 for 14 getting TDs, and that is very, very good above 50%, obviously, and has improved 
as the year has gone on. Same thing with defensive red zone. They actually are number one on defense in the red zone on the season as far as not allowing touchdowns when teams get inside the 20. So, hey, man, you know, this is, I think, not a great spot for the Bucs. I know I said that. I said that before the Packers game. I didn't think that was a great spot for them. And they went out and proved me wrong. And then I thought, okay, well, huge win on the road. They're going to come home and let down uh, against the Jags team that needs the game. They're, they're coming off a loss. And, and no, the Bucs just went out and did what a superior team should do to an inferior team and just spanked them. So once again, now we got the Saints coming off a loss and already having lost to the Bucs earlier in the year and coming off three days extra rest with their Thursday game last week and the Bucs riding a four-game winning streak and riding high. I haven't uh, seen the situations yet, but I always tell you, like, there, there's a situation this week that historically is, you know, the favorite is, uh, you know, 10, 37, and 3 against the spread all time. I, I feel like, and I don't have the numbers yet in front of me, but I feel like that might be what the Bucks are in this week. And so, you know, even if they do lose, and I don't ever want to think, oh, hey, it's okay, because well, you want to get it done now. But if they do lose, of course, they have Carolina in Week 18. But, yeah, of course you'd like to get it over with. And you have a chance to rest some people. And I know there's you – know, last year they did that. It didn't work out for them anyway. But I still think it's better to have the opportunity. You don't have to do it. I thought they should have put I – I do think they should have put Baker Mayfield on the sidelines late in that game this past weekend on Christmas Eve. He's, he got that one hit and it wasn't even a flag, but he almost got his head ripped off. The Bucks are winning by a bazillion points. And it's like, hey, you know, I thought it was kind of ridiculous early in the preseason – and in the offseason when the Kyle Trask mob was all, Kyle Trask isn't getting a fair shake and blah, blah, blah. And we know how ridiculous that seems now. But that would have been a good time to say, okay, hey, Kyle Trask, let's see him for the fourth quarter or the second half of the fourth quarter. And Mayfield stayed in the game after that hit, then came back in the game for another series after he went to the sideline and got treatment. And I'm thinking, I'm like, what are they doing? Like, why are they doing that? That made me scratch my head a little bit. Obviously, a win on Sunday in the Saints game would give you a little bit more of a cushion to kind of do whatever you see fit for Week 18. And there's cases to me. I mean, we'll talk about this if it actually even comes up because I have a feeling that, you know, the Bucks may have to win in Carolina next weekend. But if they do somehow beat the Saints this weekend, you know, we can. there's cases to be made both ways when it's humming, when it's not humming. But I don't think it's ever a bad thing to be able to rest. Anyway, don't worry about that. Saints in town, Sunday, 1 p.m. Weather should be beautiful. I think at 1 o'clock on Sunday, it's supposed to be in the high 60s, maybe warming up a little bit around low 70s during the game. Sunny, no precipitation, maybe a little bit of a breeze, but it's going to be nice out there. A great way to close out the new year. This is my favorite. You know, the calendar can set up any number of ways every year. I think Christmas falling on a Monday or Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve or on Sundays, the way it's been this year, I think it's my favorite way. I love the Christmas Eve Bucks game. I know mean, it was probably tough for some people. Like, I would have liked to have gone to that game. I didn't go in person to the game Sunday against the Jags because I had family festivities and the same stuff a lot of people have. The 4 o'clock kickoff made it tougher. Even though I love 4 o'clock kickoffs and prefer them, it made it tougher. A 1 o'clock kickoff, I might have been able to go to the game and then still get over to my mom's in time for all the usual stuff. But I still liked it. Like I liked just the whole having it be a full NFL game day. Loved having Sunday night football, Christmas Eve. All the normal things I think work the best when it's on a Sunday. And then Monday, instead of just Monday night football, three games Monday was great. Huh? Wasn't that cool? And by the way... Not that we didn't already know that football, and the NFL in particular, but football in general is king. You know, the NBA, that's always been their thing, is like, uh, we're doing Christmas Day games, 
it's our time. We're going to use that time. And I could never have, I mean, I'm not an NBA guy. I just do not care. But since the second year in a row now that the NFL has gone up against the NBA on Christmas Day with games on TV at the same time, there was a significant drop in the NBA viewership from last year to this year. Celtics-Lakers was 5 million total viewers. That's down 18%. Bucks-Knicks was 2.5 million. That's down 39%. Meanwhile, on Monday, 31 million people, compared to 5 million again for the banner game, Celtics-Lakers, 31 million watched Raiders Chiefs, 29 million watched Giants Eagles, and 29.2 million watched Ravens 49ers on Monday night. I was a member of all three of those groups and could not have been freaking happier. So as the calendar rolls over in future years, um, and the NFL has said, like, next year, next year is a leap year, right? So Christmas falls on a Wednesday. It skips a day. It was on a Monday this year. The NFL has already said it won't stage games next year on Christmas with it being on a Wednesday. I, I don't know why you wouldn't, personally. I, I, <laughs> why not? I mean, I, I get how they're not ready to maybe go to have Because people have said, hey, the NFL eventually wants to put a game on every day. Like, you got Monday Night Football, you got Thursday. Really, Tuesday and, Friday, or thir- Tuesday and Wednesday are the only down days. Friday and Saturday, I think they should leave to high school and college. But you've got those dead weeknights, Tuesday and Wednesday. Sure, sure, I'll take it. But certainly on a holiday, I, 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 I'll, we'll see when the schedule gets released and all that. I'm not convinced. I know they've said they're not going to do it. But what the hell? I, I couldn't have been happier about it. I know most people agree because it's football America, baby, and it was a lot of fun. With all that said, I like the schedule working out that way. This year, I think it'll be cool to have the New Year's game, and it's only a 1 o'clock game, so there's plenty of time if people have stuff going on. New Year's Eve to check out Bucks Saints and things like that. And then there'll be uh, Sunday night football. It'll go all the way up until midnight again if you want it to. And then you get the college bowl games on Monday. I mean, it just, it just works the best this way. So this has been a good year. And I think the TV ratings reflect that. Of course, we only have to worry, as I said before, about one game. No scoreboard watching, none of that. Just Bucks Saints. And it's all right there for the taking. It's going to be tough. Like I said, I think this is a tough spot for the Buccaneers, but they've won in several other tough spots over this four-game win streak. We'll see if they can do it again. A third straight division title is on the line. A fourth straight playoff berth is on the line. And who knows what any of it could lead to. But I'll tell you this. We didn't think very much of our hopes a little while back, and I still don't know what's going to happen, but I've got hope now beyond just winning a garbage division and getting a cheapo home playoff game. I think we all think the Bucks maybe could do something. Or maybe they're a paper tiger. We'll see. Either way, enjoy the game Sunday. Hopefully when I come back next week, we're talking about the NFC South champions. Either way, be safe. Have fun on New Year's Eve. Again, always be careful. Get together with friends. Watch the game together, but just make sure you're responsible about it and be safe. Thanks to the Joes, JoeBucksFan.com, for giving me the privilege of being on this platform and getting in front of all of you, JoeBucksFan.com, the single best place anywhere, TV, Internet, radio, for Bucks coverage. Thanks to them. Thanks to our sponsor, Bill Curry Ford. That's your final free stretch of 2023. I'll talk to you next week. In the meantime, wherever you are, good morning, good afternoon, good night, and go Bucks.